You're listening to Shep Life with 1FM's Terry Cowley. So good morning to the Environmental Water and Wetlands Project Officer for the Goulburn Broken Catchment Management Authority. That is a mouthful. Joe Reddick, hello. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm really well. Now, we're very privileged to have you here this morning instead of um, you um, tramping about in some swamp or lagoon or creek or wetland somewhere. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me to come in. I wouldn't miss it for the world. (laughs) (laughs) You've been doing a bit of field work lately, haven't you? I have. I've been lucky enough to to still be able to get outside and enjoy the weather. Um, Well, I guess you don't... um, You're normally sort of having a chat to the frogs rather than a whole lot of other people, (laughs) aren't you? Yes, that's not always a bad thing. (laughs) No, no. But what I mean is in this COVID era, at least you can still continue with your field work. That's right. uh, You're not having to come across a lot of people. So you sort of... um, I know that this is really simplifying your role, but in some ways what you do is taking the pulse of our environment. So just generally speaking, um, I mean, you know, to the layman's eye, uh, I'm looking out there and everything's looking green and there is water on the ground. Mm-hmm. What kind of a season do you think we're having? Oh, well, at the moment, we've, it's pretty good. Things have been primed with the rain that we got in April and May this year, uh, which is a good start. Depending on what happens over the next couple of months, um, we'll have an even better season if we get a bit more rain, uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. They're, they're predicting that, but whether that actually happens is another thing. So you need that follow-through. Definitely. It's not just enough to have spring spring rain. That's you right. need some summer rain as well. Yeah. Now, a lot of people are noticing that there seems to be a lot of frogs in the environment. Like, I know even just I go out into my backyard and they're, yes. they're having a go. Yes. And then, of course, people then worry about snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, should we be worried about snakes or frogs? Well, well or I mean, you know, does it does it really mean that if there are more frogs, there are more snakes? And I mean, I don't know that that would ever translate into any any more danger for us. I mean, frogs are always out there, snakes are always out there. I guess most of us only notice when they get really loud. That's right. Uh, I think um, there's definitely probably more frogs because we're home more, so we're hearing them okay. more. We're not at work. We're not distracted by shuffling kids home from school and getting them sorted for dinner and things like that. We're actually at home and probably noticing our environment more. Oh, maybe so, that's another silver lining. Yeah, um, which is a good thing, definitely. Uh, but in saying that, we have had a bit of a warmer spring, which will trigger off breeding events for frogs and other things. And with the rain that's followed on from that, they'll spawn, which they have been quite a lot and yep snakes eat frogs so they'll come around to to eat them so it's definitely part of the life cycle that happens this time of year Mm. it's a good time of year isn't it best so essentially what you do in your job when you're out there in the field you're looking at the effects of environmental water allocations on wetlands Mm -hmm. now um just as a bit of a recap because environmental water is a relatively recent concept can you explain to us what that is and what you're seeing in the effects of in the effects of that environmental water at the moment on the various wetlands around the place sure yeah, it is pretty new. We've only been doing it for about the last 10 years. Uh, so that's not, that's not a long time in the big scheme of things. And we're trying to undo a lot of things that have happened in the past, for, you know, over 100 years. So that, it's going to take time. And we are finding that with environmental water. Uh, our, spon- our sites will respond fairly quickly when it comes to putting water into wetlands or down the river. Um, and especially wetlands, we get a lot of frogs calling, birds coming in. But what we need is that vegetation response. And some of these seed banks 
haven't had water for 10 or 15 years. So what happens is, is they might take a couple of seasons to actually start to replenish and get going and build their populations up. And so that once the, that vegetation type starts to grow, then that will bring in other birds and things like that. So it's um it's a bit of a a bit of a time lag when it comes to uh, putting water into these sites. Yeah, I have been dwelling a bit on the frogs, but of course it's it's all about the plants mm-hmm. as much. Yes, isn't it? So are there some things that you're going out there and seeing? Wow, I don't I haven't actually seen that before, or I haven't seen that for years. Uh, yeah, for me, um, I suppose I'm not a plant expert, so we get consultants to come in and do that for us. But they are definitely giving us that that feedback that yep, there's plants that are coming up now that haven't been recorded in the sites. Some of them since the 70s or the 80s. So you know we are seeing these positive effects of environmental water, but they they at some sites they are taking time. You mentioned sites. Now, I, I, um, I know you're aware I went out to Doctors... You inspired me to go out and check out Doctors Swamp a couple of weekends ago, which is on the other side of Murchison. Yes. Um, and I was reading the sign out there and it was saying that it's a natural wetland and it's one of the few that are left in our catchment area. Is that correct? Uh, in our catchment, we have around 2,000 wetlands on private and uh, public property. Uh, but yeah, there's not many actual natural features left of them. A lot of them have been either laser graded or, you know, cropped or whatever, unfortunately. And so, yeah, we, we don't have many natural features sites. Can you mention some of the, like just out, out of interest, what are some of the sort of major wetland sites in our in our catchment? Uh, so our biggest one is Barmer, which is an international site. Um, it's internationally recognised under the Ramsar Convention. And then we have um, what we call directory important wetlands, which are sites like uh, Gaynor Swamp out at Karop, which is getting an environmental water allocation at the moment. There's Canyapella Basin over near Echuca, which we manage uh, for water. Um, and then there's a couple of other sites that's here at Reedy Swamp in Shepparton, which is you know a biodiversity hotspot and over the summer act as a really great drought refuge for us, like for this region. So we do have we have nine wetlands that we can actually put water into out of two thousand in our catchment. Okay, so I think that's what I was, must have been reading about. So what, why can't you put any water into the others? Is that was obviously the private issue. There's private issue. There's um, issues with constraints in the river, so not being able to overbank water in the river under um, you know normal conditions, and just most of these wetlands are connected to some sort of irrigation system whether it be a drain or uh, a channel so that allows us to connect to these sites and put water in them that that was going to be my next question how do you actually put environmental water into the wetlands yeah so either by a a channel or a drain and we haven't mentioned fish that's obviously an important part about of all this not just the frogs we keep coming back to the frogs but um i noticed that um uh, macquarie perch is one thing that you know is is endangered or Yes, yeah, in our catchment, that's right. We only have a few spots in our in our catchment um, that does have Macquarie perch. They're more in the smaller anna branches of the rivers, uh, so we don't see a lot of the, we don't see any of those in our wetlands. We tend to see the more uh, smaller species of fish, your, your smelts and gudgeons and things like that that we get. Um, which you know, our wetlands are nurseries for fish. Now, one of your um, primary specialties is ecoacoustics. Um, using sound to monitor the the sort of state of the environment. Uh, Where are you at with that, Jo? Is that something that you're still doing all the time? Yes, yeah, we're doing it more than ever now, especially uh, in this 
era that we're currently in with the COVID situation, we can't be out in the field as much or as long. So the acoustic recorders are definitely doing our work for us. So that's essentially putting a recording device out into the wetlands and then analysing that for signs of life. That's right. So either listening or looking at the the sounds that come up. Um, Each sound is a bit like a fingerprint, so you can tell after a while you get used to what you know a magpie might look like or some sort of water bird or a frog. But um, they might actually look look like on the the sound pattern. That's right. Wow. So we we do a lot of that, and um, we've been working with the Queensland University of Technology with one of their um, open source databases which helps us also analyze the bigger picture so we're we're now taking longer recordings and being able to see what's there by looking at the different colors in the spectrograph that comes up so it's pretty impressive stuff Mm. i'm guessing um it must be um a really good tool for sort of early warning so for example if you went out to a swamp that had thousands of magpies one year Mm -hmm. and you go back the following year and there's none then that's really um it's really highlighting something going wrong with the ecosystem yeah, it can definitely be used that. We haven't seen that a lot um, at our sites, but it's definitely been an indicator of what's coming in and using the sites when we're not there. Uh, you know, when we go out into the field, we kind of disturb everything walking around. Uh, these recorders don't do that. So they give us a better picture of what's actually utilising the swamp. And there's things that will come in at night that, you know, will fly off again in the morning that we won't see. Um, and, Such you know, as? Those, Oh, magpie, oh, plume whistling duck. Uh, we're at a site at, at One U, which we didn't know were there. And they, we don't normally see those around here. They're normally from Queensland and they come down when there's a bit of water around. Bit and, of a, um, they bit of a southern in. holiday. Yes. Yeah, they must be a bit warm up there for them. So, so what, are the main, what, are, what are the main concerns at the moment? Just having enough water? Um, we're okay. We've got our allocations for this season, so that's all been organised with the Victorian Environmental Water Holder, so we're okay for that. But uh, definitely getting those natural inflows and keeping things topped up, uh, you know, always does a better job than what we do, and so it's definitely important to keep those there. And, and you know, nature did our job for us earlier this year by priming these sites. It's been really good. Our deliveries have been more efficient. We're keeping more water in the water body of the swamp rather than um, it going into the soil profile. So things like that are definitely important. Do you do any work with farmers? Because there is some kind of controversy about environmental water or just generally about water use in the Murray-Darling Basin. There's reports that came out recently saying, you know, there's a whole lot of water that just isn't coming in that they expect it to come in. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself sometimes having to defend, um, you know, getting those environmental water allocations? Yes. (laughs) It's, it's a hard one, Terry. Um, you know, I can totally understand the farmer's situation. They're seeing water that, you know, is going into, a, into an environmental site that they think they can be using on their farm. But at the same time, if we don't have a healthy environment, we're not going to have, you know, healthy farms or a healthy society. Uh, for us, you know, the environment can survive without the economy or society, but the economy and society can't survive without the environment. I guess it's about balance, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a tricky thing trying to, um, you know, in times of drought especially, trying to make sure everyone has what they need. It is, yeah. definitely. Okay, so what's on the agenda for you next? Where's your next, uh, where are you going next for some field work? <laughs> what swamp are you heading to next, Oh, yes, jo? I'll be back out at Gaynor Swamp probably I'd next never, week. I'd never heard of that place. Yeah, so that's out near Corop, near Lake Cooper. Um, it's a pretty big system. It's 3,000 hectares. Sorry, 300 hectares, not 3,000. Uh, so it is a big site for us. Uh, so I'll be going out there. We've got an environmental water delivery going in there at the moment, so just making sure that it's 
doing the right thing still, um, seeing what's responding. We've already had some wetland plants flowering. Um, the frogs have definitely started spawning out there. They started spawning in the first day that we put the water in. Uh, and just seeing what other responses there. We've already had Brolga there. They were there two days after the water went in. So, yeah, just making sure that it's all going well. It's amazing how they can come from so far away and just know. Yes. I don't know how they know. No. Some bush telegraph. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of the public, there are some places that people can visit, but you don't want a whole heap of people tramping around in fragile wetlands, do you? Well, yeah. I mean... Uh, a lot of these areas are parks, Victoria land anyway, so the public have every right to go out there and have a look. A lot of them are state game reserves, so they can do duck season when it's open and things like that. So there's there's no reason why people can't get out there. And really, it's really good for your mental health. Mm. Get out and have a, a wait around or a look around, even if you're just on the edge with some binoculars. I guess Reedy Swamp, uh, for anyone who hasn't been up there, that'd probably be the most local one, wouldn't it? Yes, and doctors. Doctors isn't far. No. It's, and it's a beautiful place. It's got all the wildflowers are, are blooming out there at the moment. It's just magnificent. Okay. So I guess, you know, if we do get people out there, they will understand, you know, the benefits of environmental water all the better. Yes. Hope so. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for bringing us up to date on all things wet, land-ish. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, and um, all the best. Um, and uh, good to hear that uh, that, you know, Things are going reasonably well out there in the bar environment at the moment. Fingers crossed it continues and, well, we are headed for a bit more rain and that it continues. Mm. Thank you, Terry. You've been listening to the Ship Life podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on SoundCloud. Find it on the 1FM Facebook page or search Ship Life Group on Facebook. Once approved, you'll be kept up to date with links to future shows. If you'd like to hear the show live, you can tune in to 98.5 on your radio or stream through fm985.com.au or the TuneIn app on your Android or iOS device. Friday mornings from 9am to midday.